If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Chance, thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. We love to take these conversations back to the very beginning as anyone that listens to the show knows. Take me back to like high school chance. What were you thinking you were going to be doing for the rest of your life in high school, if you had any inkling at all? (laughs) Yeah, nothing like what I am now, probably because I'm in the internet marketing world and the internet was just like becoming a thing back in my day. That's aging myself. So high school chance was a year round athlete played a lot of sports. Hmm. I would say I was one of the cool kids. I definitely had no idea what I was going to be when I grew up. I think I changed my uh, major in college like 19 times. I think I was on academic probation half my time in college. I am unhirable according to some of the standardized tests that are out there. So I am everything about me was, was probably not where I was headed or am at right now (laughs) through those days. It is crazy to think about it. I'm I don't know how old you are. I'm assuming what? I'll be 30. 40. Oh, okay. I would have said 35. So I appreciate it. That's a good um, But yeah, like I'm 26. And even for me, I think about, you know, podcasting like in 10th grade or like ninth grade, like even 11th grade, like podcasting was not a thing. Yeah. It wasn't something people talked about doing. It was like just then my friends were going, we should be YouTube stars. Like it was that kind of delay. So it is something that's interesting when you talk to people who've, for any length of time have been in anything related to the internet at all, social media, marketing, podcasting, like there was no plan. There was no in kindergarten. Hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be that. It just kind of, the job developed into itself. I was just going to say, it's interesting to be kind of talking about that in general. I get applicants to join my team now, right? Like job applicants that have a master's degree in internet marketing. Right. And I'm like, this wasn't even a class, let alone a, you know, bachelor's degree and then a master's degree. Like I practically discovered it, you know? Right, right. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Times change fast, man. They definitely yeah. do. Let me ask you this before I ask you the question I was going to ask, because you mentioned you're unhirable according to many standard tests in school, yeah. switching major. And I'm always interested in hearing different perspectives on school in general. Do you think that, what are your thoughts on the education system and being an entrepreneur in that? Because I find most entrepreneurs I talk to really struggled within a classroom setting. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Because man, I, I, a lot, I have a lot of bad words to say about Do it. I think it's, I think it's a shit show. Honestly, I think that education is, it is one of the most overrated societal brainwash things that's out there, right? It's like, I, I, I remember graduating high school and it was like the screw ups didn't go to college. They, they were like family business maybe that they were going into, but if you weren't going to college, you were like an idiot. You were a loser, right? And it didn't just come from how we felt, meeting my students or fellow students. The teachers. So the parents and the teachers, it was like, you have to do this or you're a failure. And that concept and mentality started before my time. 
And now we see it all the time. Kids have $150,000 worth of college education debt Mm -hmm. and a 50K job, and they can't even make the damn payments. They have to defer them. So here's my thoughts on college in general. The education aspect of it, unless you're going to be a doctor, an attorney, a lawyer, an engineer, where obviously I don't want a doctor that learned on his own operating. Right, you too, you know. Exactly, yeah. No, there's got to be, there's certain professions that it's absolutely a necessity. Outside of that, man, you are writing a check to build a network Mm. and to communicate with people and to grow relationships. I look at, I couldn't have started, I wouldn't have started my business with a relationship from college. It's a business partner that's no longer with me, very ugly divorce. But without him, I don't know if I would have ever would have actually taken the step to do it. So it's one of those things that you're paying for that growth as a human being. But as far as what's in the textbook, I think, man, the education system, I don't, I don't understand it anymore. It's like we go learn about history. If you have a phone, you can get any answer about anything in yeah. history in seven seconds. Mm-hmm. So why the hell would I go study and read about it? It's just times have changed, but right. our how we educate has does that make yeah, sense? Right. I mean, when you think about elementary school, everybody heard, you better learn this. You're not be able to carry a calculator around with you everywhere you go. But it's <laughs> we've gotten to a point now where you do have access to this and, and it's going to take a while for that to catch up. What does that look like? And I don't even know, like we're both parents of young yeah. kids we were talking about before. Like right. one of the biggest stress points for me is like, how do I educate my daughter in a way that gets rid of the fluff that wasted a lot of time and wasted yep. a lot of progress, but also maintain the things that I know how to read. There's things yeah, that are yeah, really yeah. important. So <laughs> right. um, let's talk a little bit about going into the business side. Like you said, it wasn't a career path 10 years ago, oh, really. What do you got started? Right. So how did you fall into this world? How did you land in the world of marketing? Yeah, it's a good question. I was in financial services out of college. I dropped out, I quit school. I got a job preconditioned that I had to graduate. I was the only one there that didn't have a degree. I never, I never got it, never finished it. I'm sorry, grandma and grandpas that are in heaven now that I told you that I would finish it. I'm not going to, but yeah, it's, it's funny. So I was in financial services. I was a financial advisor right out of college, was decent at the job, hated it. Absolutely miserable. It wasn't who I am. I hate wearing suits and ties. I hate, I just, I hate, I literally hated everything about it. I was unhappy. Moved into doing recruiting within financial services, just out of desperation, being in a terrible place, not making it per se. Had a very similar outcome in recruiting. And I was talking to a guy who was a more of an acquaintance in college who had a little like boutique digital marketing agency. It was him and just him and a partner. That's it. No employees or anything. And we started talking about him hiring me to run sales for them. He saw talent in me. And as I was going through that process, the job was mine. There was some, just a certain point in all this where I was like, okay, I'm 29 years old at this point. Yeah. I have a 483 credit score hmm. and I'm going to go work for two guys. Why? Why wouldn't I do this on my own? Like, what do I have to lose right now? What am I going to lose at this stage, at this point in my life by just going and doing this on my own? Hmm. And I had this moment and that's what led me into the space. It was by interviewing with somebody, finding the passion around it. I just immediately gravitated towards it. I thought it was cool to make businesses money using digital marketing Mm -hmm. and became kind of a student of the game. The first book I read about the industry was SEO for Dummies like 12 years ago. Yeah, which it's hilarious now because that book probably doesn't have a single thing in it that's actually relevant to doing search engine optimization. But but I I read it back then. That was the first thing that I read to learn about this world and this space. 
Yeah. That's a wild thing too. Is like a book written last year is probably not relevant today with how quickly things change. Yeah. That's amazing. So you went from cool guy jock to SEO and analytics sitting at a computer. <laughs> so look, one thing that comes up a lot, I stepped into the first version of digital marketing was like 2014 for me that I jumped into it. And I was never like, I've never been like the paid ads guy. I've always been organic content creation, but Sure. All that to say, one thing that's noticeably changed is it was kind of the Wild West in the beginning. Like you could be hyper targeted in a way that you could never do now. Like the yeah. amount of power that you had as an advertiser was pretty immense. What's been the biggest shift from, hey, getting into this, here's what we're doing versus now when it comes to ease of being able to do it? Have, do you feel like it's gotten uh like the landscape's gotten harder to stand out in? Has it gotten easier over time because it accumulated so much knowledge over that curve? What's been that yeah. kind of pattern? It's a great question. Just last week, Facebook ads took away a bunch of targeting uh, yeah. options for audiences and added new ones in. And it it really had an impact on a lot of our clients. We had to go back and, and reshuffle the deck, so to speak, and make a lot of changes. So it, it change equals opportunity. So I think that it creates a, a massive opportunity to stand out. I have a rule of thumb, 19 out of 20 digital marketing agencies don't know their ass from their elbow. It's that bad. It's the whole like internet coaching world where like a guy rents a Lambo, pops the door vertical and sits in front of it like this and sells you a $997 course to learn how to do everything in the world. It's a bunch of BS, man. And that's what the internet marketing space is. A lot of those guys died through the pandemic yeah. Um, the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened in my business is had it sad as that is to say, it's obviously a horrific thing, but 2020 was the best year that I'd ever had in business right. prior to last year. And a lot of that was a lot of those guys in you, you can only fake it so long and yeah. you're going to get exposed. So it has the change creates opportunity. If you are actually a student of the game and what the hell you're doing in this space. But like I said, 19 out of 20 agencies that I review their work, I'm like, like, it's crazy when I get the one out of 20, I want to call them and say, I, I'm not going to take this client from you because you actually know what the hell you're doing, but I still try to take it. But either way, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's funny, but yeah, man, it's a weird industry like that. And it's not as bad as it used to be, but it's most certainly still there. The ease of entry is, it's kind of thing so on the content creation side. I used to joke every, every woman that I knew in high school would buy a camera or get a camera as a gift and they would open a photography page. It's the same thing. Like I would see, or same thing with guys with video cameras and, or yep. you'd see it's, it's easy to say I'm a videographer, photographer, someone gets a laptop, like literally everyone, someone has a phone, they can be a digital marketer. Oh, I boosted a post one time. Like now I know how to boost a post. So here's the two extremes of this. So like you said, the pandemic wiped out so many of those types of people across the gamut, like coaches that were not delivering, marketers were not delivering, and we're in an interesting place now. So you have clients that are wanting to make me go viral, get me one cent leads, like I want you to do magic for me. And then you have, and if you can't do that unattainable thing, they're going to be like, you're out. Then you have the other people who are like, oh, I want you to give the other side. That's what was the other side? I just had it in my head and it's gone. There you go. Uh, but you have the people that <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, I can't help you with that. I didn't go to college either. So no, um, what was it? You have the guys that want to go. It was a good question too. It's gone forever. Thank God for editors. But you have the people that want these totally unattainable results. You have these totally crazy goals for you. And you're sitting there as the person going, I can't deliver this. How do you manage expectations from someone who 
is coming in and saying, I want you to work for me. I want you to see, I want to see success in my marketing efforts. Like how do you mitigate like the overhype, like, oh, I'm going to make you go viral that is being promised by all the boosters out there and then give them like a realistic, hey, here's an expectation for success. So I'm brutally honest. Yeah. Like I am brutally honest and I under promise and over deliver. That's always my goal. So I'm trying to set up expectations as a worst case scenario, mm. knowing that anything that we do beyond that is going to be viewed as <laughs> That's going to be killer. Right? Yeah. It's just the truth. Being brutally honest with people is the key. You've still got people out there that are saying, oh, hey, you go to SEO for 60 days. And you're going to dominate the search engines. Bullshit. Show me an actual case study. Mm. It's got to be something that's so low competition that it's not even realistic. Or you've got to be dealt with a very powerful website out of the gate where you just needed to make small tweaks. Fact of the matter is that it's a long run game. Hell, even running ads. This is a problem. I just think with our society in general right now is we have these things, right? These phones that we can get. They're like little computers that we can get anything in the world within seconds. And you've got people in our society that think that they can go build out a Shopify apparel store and go hire an ad agency to just go run ads and print money. Let me know how that goes. You have to build a brand. Like this stuff takes time. And a lot of it's just, we've been kind of subconsciously conditioned to get things so fast, Right. but it's not actually the reality of growing a business. So I think being brutally honest with those people, you know, if I don't think I can make them sales for five months of running ads, I'm going to tell them a year. And I hope that it's five months, but I don't know that. If it takes six, I don't want to look like I failed, right? Right. So under promising, over delivering and just setting up expectations of, hey, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I can't tell you how many people I've had say to me, man, nobody has told me that. Nobody has said that way. And mm-hmm. what's crazy is I'm telling the truth. That is the fact. This is going to take months, more than likely to start selling. I hope yeah. it takes off and I hope it goes viral. Right. I hope these things happen. But that, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. it. It wouldn't, you know, this world wouldn't exist. I wouldn't have a job. You just go do it on your own, you know? Yeah. And the flip side of this, like for someone who's listening, because probably everyone listening to the show is paying somebody to do something in the marketing space. Yeah. What you just said is great. That it's true. Like it can take a long time, all that sort of thing. But you also probably have some people wondering, okay, I'm paying this guy every month and I'm expecting results at some point. How, what red flag should they be looking for early on to go, this person doesn't know what they're doing? Because hiring an expert, that's one of the scariest things because you're hiring someone who knows something you don't. So there's kind of that uh, man behind the curtain mystery there. There is. There is. Yeah. What I encourage entrepreneurs, business owners, marketing folks, anybody that's talking to an agency, what I really encourage them to do is go become a student of that game. I'll make the analogy to a CPA. Okay. If you don't know what a P&L is, for your business, you're not ready to hire a CPA. But you have to at least understand the basics of this is how much money that the business brought in and this is how much we net and actually make. If you can't understand 101 concepts and lingo of the financials of a business, you're not at a place to hire a CPA. You can't go interview a CPA and have a conversation with them and essentially vet how good they are at their job. It's the exact same thing with digital marketing right? We've got entrepreneurs and we've got business owners that essentially just say, hey, you're an expert. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hire you. Did you do that with your CPA? Probably not. So a lot of this comes back on, it's not really the shitbag digital marketers that are to blame. It's the business owners that don't have any accountability. Like they need Mm -hmm. to look in the mirror and they need to go study this stuff. And when you're talking to these digital marketing agencies, ask them how they calculate a conversion. 
ask them, have you ever had a business similar to mine? And what type of ROI numbers did they see? What roughly are we looking mm-hmm. at here? Obviously, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. You can't forecast this stuff perfectly, but you can have a general conversation of, hey, in a best case scenario, we saw this. In the worst case scenario, we saw this. And give an idea, but understand the lingo and the basis of what a digital marketing company does mm-hmm. so you can vet them. The stuff that I see, it's crazy. I'll give you a story. We took on a business recently, a lady that's in a business group that I'm in. She reached out and she said, hey, I've been working with an agency for a couple of years. My SEO has just absolutely exploded over the last six, eight months, but I don't really know what's going on. Can you help me understand this? I took it to my team and had them do an analysis. Her website had been hacked. (laughs) So essentially it had been hacked and she had pages that were being created about Viagra, video games, and they were ranking for all these keywords. There were thousands of them. And they were sending her graphs and reports every month that were talking about how great of a job that they had done. And I'm like, wow, like you're paying them thousands of dollars a month and they're actually taking credit for something. It's a good thing that is a horrific problem. (laughs) So it's just like, this is the 19 out of 20 that I've talked about that just blows my mind. So again, back to, to trying to directly answer your question, Uh, understand what you're talking about. Go watch some damn YouTube videos, go Google some things and understand basic 101 because that will probably bet out like 15 of 20, right? Of the bad guys immediately. And man, just like anything else, referrals are so important. If you could talk to a business owner who has used a marketing agency that's actually performed for them, that's gonna go a long ways. And that's the case for any service in the world, right? If you can talk to somebody who's actually had success with them and has been happy with the service, you're probably off to a pretty good start. Yeah. And people tend to be brutally honest about their marketing agencies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do a lot of work with with a friend here in, in Vegas and we work with a lot of dealerships so doing some basic marketing and stuff. And that's one of the funniest things is we'll come in after somebody and they're like, man, those guys were fucking idiots. They didn't know what they're and like they don't really understand what they did but they just know they didn't see any results whatsoever. They, like they know not buy their feelings yeah. about it. Yeah. Look, we touched on relationships a little bit and obviously the show has built your network. So I've got to ask you the question we ask everybody. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? No doubt. Then it's no doubt. who my, my network, I have built my company off of personal relationships. Mm-hmm. So I know this sounds crazy, but as a digital marketing company, we don't even invest that much money in digital marketing anymore for ourselves. We used to coming out of the gate and where we're at now, Mm -hmm. but I'm at a point now where I have built up my network to a point where I have more referrals coming from my clients, even former clients that maybe brought marketing Mm in-house. I have more referrals coming to me from my clients right now than I can hardly keep up with. So now we're in scaling times where, because I won't take on a business if I don't have the team to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. So we've been in and out of backlogs with a wait list to work with my agency over the last few years. So we've got scaled up. We're in a good place now. But either way, that has all come from relationships and building out a network. I've written very significant checks to be in major business groups to get around major business owners, $50,000, $60,000 to join a group. I've done this multiple times. I've been in many groups. And then from there, it's about building your network and building relationships with people and helping. But that's a big thing. Like I don't write a check for 50 grand to join a business group with the anticipation of going in and making sales. I write the check for 50 grand with the motive to go in and help as many business owners as I can. I help way more companies than I get money from, way more. 
I've helped way more businesses than are actually on my client list that send me a check every month, way more. And I think if you go in with that attitude and that kind of like preconceived notion of, I'm just going to help other people that need my help, even if it's just, hey, have you thought about this? Just a Mm -hmm. strategy thing, not let me review your Facebook ads now, but have you thought about running a video that pitches this? Mm -hmm. Have you thought about marketing this group of people instead of the group that you are marketing now? Have you thought about making a different type of product that could speak to a specific niche that you could, so, so things like that are more strategic, I go in and just try to provide value. No. And then the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. And if somebody's not a good fit for us, fine. Let me help you find the right person. No, that, that's such a huge thing. And it's something I think we, the longer we do something too, I've been, like I said, I've been doing content now for nine, almost 10 years. So, which is weird to say, because I think of myself as I was just a teenager, but now I've got a four-year-old and I've got some grays in my beard and it's all changing. But it is one of those things, like what you just said is, I used to go so extreme trying to add value to people where it was like, let me log into your ads account. Let me log into your Instagram and your Facebook. Let me do a month of posting, you know, like all this crazy stuff. And what you do, what we tend to do all of us in any field is we don't realize how much value we have in just advice. If you just tell somebody, Hey, have you looked at this? Hey, have you tried checking this stat? Have you tried this type of content? Have you tried this type of ad? Like, you could change someone's whole year in their business with one thing that is secondhand information to you. Oh yeah, that's a that's an obvious thing. Let me just throw that out there. It's really crazy how much value you can bring just from, you know, throwing out things that are just common knowledge to you. And that stuff's so rewarding. Um, oh, yeah. I actually talked to a, a business yesterday. The guy came to me, the screen printing, hmm. right? So just like a, your company logo yeah. on a t-shirt type of thing or on a hat. And he came to me and said, hey, I'd run some Facebook ads. Hey, I'd run some Google ads. And I'm like, man, I don't really look at your, are you a $15 million company? And he's like, oh, we're a half million dollar company. I'm like, there are major players in screen printing and apparel in this space. And they are going to just drown with ads. Like they can, they have, their budgets are so much deeper than yours. It's not even in the same conversation. So I told him, and this is like the worst sales pitch ever, right? Because all I'm telling him this whole time is don't invest in digital marketing. But that was the truth. Like mm. I, I told him, I said, if I was you, I'd be going to the local plumbing company, the local landscaping company, the high school football coach in town or whatever, all the high schools in the area. And I would fill out, figure out a workflow. So maybe step one is the email. Step two is leave a flyer on their windshield at work. Step three is handwritten note with a picture of the t-shirt with the graphic on it, with the colors that match their logo. And hand write on there, hey, whoever the owner is or the head football coach, if we're talking about the high school football team, just letting you know that we're in your local area. We've worked with a lot of businesses like yours. We put this mock-up together for you for free if you're ever interested or whatever your pitch is or your value proposition. And hand write it, hand write the address on the envelope, mail that, and then send another email after that, which is a soft way for them to talk to you. But this is sequence. Like I just came off the cuff and, and came up with this for him. But I'm like, man, you don't need me. Like you need to grow your company. You need grassroots efforts. Like you need to pound the pavement and do the hard work. Like this isn't a quick fix thing, but build up your brand in your local market. And he was just like, I've never thought about anything like this. And he, I know he's going to take that. He's going to run with it. And I hope he calls me back when he's a $10 million company. Exactly. And I can, and I can work with him and help him put gas on the fire that he already has burning. But right now it's not the time. 
But just, man, it's so fulfilling to help people mm-hmm. because people don't think that way. Yeah. Not everybody thinks that way or can come up with that concept. And I'm not trying to act like I'm some genius here, but, no, I, but- I am a marketer and I enjoy it. And helping is such a fulfilling thing. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. If they did know, this is the thing that was like such a limiting thing for me is I was always like, I'm not the expert yet. I'm not the, when I was first, when I was first got in the content world, I read Gary Vee's book, Jab Right Hook, which is still pretty relevant for those listening. There's some outdated social media examples and stuff, but the principles are all the same. But I just remember reading that book and going, man, I have to wait till I get this, like this much understanding of it. I have to get, I have to learn how to think about it in this way before I can start going at it. It's like, on some level, like if you know anything about it, you know more than most people. That doesn't mean you should go out and pretend that everything, (laughs) but which goes back to our earlier point, but there is this element where it's like people are coming to you because they don't know. Like people are coming to you because you know something that they don't. So sharing something, like I said, that's common knowledge to you might not be to them. Like for some people now it's funny because when you first got started, it was probably like, Here's why you should be on digital, but doing digital marketing. Now it's people know they need to, but they've got all these misconceptions about what it is or like when they should start, how much they should spend. I want to ask that because there's probably people listening who are like your friend with the screen printing company that are, I know I need to be running ads. They might be thinking that to themselves. At what point is someone ready to be investing into, you know, paid advertising into actually spending money to fuel that fire versus who should be holding back and just focusing on organic grassroots strategy in the beginning. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And and unfortunately, I don't think there's a perfect black and white yeah, answer. It's different for every company. You're, you're exactly right. So I would look at something at, as like, let's take a service business, right? Very intent driven. So let's take a plumber, a landscaper, a contractor, a roofer, right? Pipe leaks, problem, intent, go to Google, find plumber, solution in front of you, right? Immediate, transactional, I have a problem, there's a solution. That guy, that plumber, I could make an argument this should be running Google ads mm-hmm. and potentially doing search engine optimization, depending on their budget and how competitive their market it is, immediately. Like that business, in anything that's an intent-driven marketing type of play, where you are a solution to a problem, people are Googling you for your services, especially things that are highly transactional, like you should be doing it as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. That should be part of your startup budget. That should be something that you're doing immediately because they can feed you immediate business, immediate revenue, right? Now you look at something like an apparel line. People don't Google t-shirts, right? Right. You have a brand, you have an image. There's something about the look. There's something about the feel, the messaging that appeals to certain audiences. You know, that business specifically, man, that's more grassroots. Everybody wants to set up a damn Shopify account, go sell yeah. t-shirts on Facebook. It's not that easy and they're not high ticket items and you no. have to sell a shit ton of them right. to make thousands of dollars of marketing back. And people don't think this through and it's, you have to build a brand. You need seven, eight, nine, ten 10 touch points before somebody buys. You're paying for every one of those touch points. So when I look at something like that's more of an audience-based marketing, right? You're not solving any problem. These people that are buying your clothes isn't because they don't have clothes. It's because there's something enticing right. about it, yeah. right? So when you look at something like that, I think it's a lot. I think that they need to try to sell it in other ways and come up with other ways to, you know, market their business. Maybe they get in the local shops. Maybe they, you know, more content, grassroots efforts. Maybe they go the micro influencer route where they find guys or gals that fit their image and they give them free clothes to post about it and wear them on Instagram, right? Mm. More grassroots 101, pounding the pavement type of logic. Like to me, those guys need to get up to a certain point, but there's definitely not like a revenue mark. There's definitely not like a, a cash, expendable cash mark. There's no, there's no perfect black and white metrics of how to do this. I just think you have to look at your business and evaluate it from that standpoint. And, and, and everyone is going to be different. Okay. You mentioned there's no cash level where it's now it makes sense. Because like you said, for some businesses, that should be the first expense is like getting some ads out there, getting yeah. some SEO yeah. work done. But for someone who's wanting to work with an agency when it comes to running paid ads, doing SEO. Again, there's a lot of people out there promising a lot of results for really low cost. They get a couple sure. months of invoicing and then they drop the ball and then they move to the next yeah. one. There's like a whole industry yeah. of people that do that. How much should people be expecting to spend? Uh, I know this number could get as high as someone wants. How much should someone be expecting as they start thinking about reaching out? What should be a ballpark number to get started doing that? Yeah. If we're talking about the the Google side of things, more so on the intent driven, which to the guys that could start right out of the gate, yeah. right? But first of all, search engine optimization might not be what they do right out of the gate. They might need to focus on ads just because SEO takes time and ads can start filling their pipeline immediately. So I would say a guy like that, again, you have to understand markets. So New York City, a plumber in New York City is very different than a plumber in rural Missouri where I'm at my lake house right now, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, 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 this area where I'm at in my lake house right now, there's probably half a dozen plumbers, maybe 10 of them in this area. And that's all you're competing with. In New York City, there's 10 per five miles, right? Yeah. 
So it's a completely different ballgame. So in New York City to run ads on those keywords is going to cost you way more money than here in rural Missouri at this lake that I'm at. So I think that you have to evaluate that, but it can range. And I'll give you a ballpark range. I would say something like a couple thousand dollars, maybe $2,500 a month for an area like this. Or if you that's all you had in a New York City, I would get very specific on what keywords I wanted to target. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want the guy that's got the leaking pipe because that's too small of a ticket price item, then let's make sure we try to stay away from those types of keywords, yeah. right? So as much as you can, you want to kind of control where you bid and pick and choose your battles because you're going to get outbid by the big guys. Yeah. So it's a case-by-case basis. A couple thousand, a few thousand dollars is probably what you need in today's world to play the game. Yeah. And what you just hit on goes back to what you're saying about like shirts is always, I, I, I do this in podcast coaching all the time. Like people go, I want to do a perfect, perfect example. If he's listening, I won't say his name, but, but it was a really good conversation because like he hopped on a coaching call with me and he was, I was like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a coach for karate instructors. I help them run karate businesses. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, amazing. Perfect. And he's sitting there going, so I'm thinking about doing a podcast, but I, I don't want to niche down into that. So I'm just going to do a general business podcast. And I was like, you realize how many business podcasts there are. <laughs> you know how many karate coaching business podcasts there are? There's probably none. There might be like one podcast. And so basically we had a conversation. I said, instead of trying to reach a million listeners on a business podcast, we're competing with the John Lee Dumas and I fill in the blank with all the business shows, like you don't even need listeners to your show. Like you need to book an interview with every karate owner in the entire country, make a huge list, get them on your podcast, talk to them for an hour. You'll probably get some clients out of those conversations, just talking shop. And he was like, oh yeah, you're right. And it's the same thing with, with the shirts, same thing with plumbing. Don't be the general all-service plumber. Be the person that can go, I focus on whatever plumbing thing yeah. outside of clog pipes there is, or I focus on faucets. I focus on this thing. Niching down always helps in in any area. Yeah, I love that creative idea that you came up with him for him as well. There might not be a lot of people listening to it, but he can use it as a tool right. to market the people that he's trying to do business with. And That's a genius idea. I love that. I would even say still do it, even if you're not going to have a big audience of listeners. Exactly. You want a million people have nothing to do with karate. You have a million people listen to it that don't do karate and don't give a shit about anything you have to say. I'd rather have 50 that actually are in the industry that I can work with and sell to and provide value to. Right. Right. So the numbers game so overrated. But again, it's that's the societal, cultural you know, expectation of success. Like with marketing, someone will go, oh, I wanted a million views. That's the thing people always talk, can I get a viral video? It's okay. So you didn't get a viral video. You're upset. You did get five leads that want to pay you whatever, 10 grand or five grand. Right. How many leads did you have before we did this? Like that's the conversation and the the perspective shift there. And I'm always preaching out like, you don't need millions. You need 10 or a hundred or a thousand, depending what, what your margins are. Look, I could talk about this all day, but I know I've got to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to move us into the uh, random round here. First, what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? So there's a lot of them that would be fun, but I'm going to kind of twist your question and tell you what I would do if I lost everything and had to start over again okay. and go back into an industry. Anything in the trades world right now, man, hmm. like those guys, it is such an opportunity 
to get into anything, electrician, plumbing, yeah. roofer. There, it, it is an unprecedented time because back to our societal conversation, everybody's went and got this $100,000 degree. Yeah. And now these blue collar guys, they can't even hire anymore because there's not that many people. So if I was going to do it, I would go back into that industry and I would start recruiting kids out of high school, like seniors in high school and show them the career path that they can make. I mean, there's plumbers right now making 300 grand a year. It's crazy. They're yeah. literally the guy under your sink fixing the pipe because that's where the demand is and they can demand that money. So if I was to do it all over again, I would go into something skill trade. Like yeah. that's where I would go. And then I would take my marketing skills that I have and I would just blow that company up. Yeah. Um, and, and try to disrupt it as a whole and how you hire and how you build it. I just, there's an unprecedented opportunity right now. And those companies that are in those verticals, if they can adapt to where society is and, and pivot and recruit differently and build people differently, I mean, there, there's billions of dollars to be made, billions. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. It's funny you said that too, because I always think about, man, if I took my marketing know-how and put it into just any other business. Like I always think I have a brother-in-law who's in real estate. I'm always like, bro, if I was a realtor, I would blow you out of the water. I was like, I know exactly. Like He's like doing stuff, doing different marketing things. I'm like, dude, uh, you'd be a goner. If I was, if I got in this space, started doing my content, it would be over. But anyway, it's hard not to think like that. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? No questions asked. Childhood hero, grew up watching the nineties bowls. But beyond that, man, just an absolute business monster. A business and marketing and branding monster. Arguably one of the best to ever walk earth. Yeah. So it, it would definitely be him, man. What what a stud from on the court to off. The guy is just, he's unbelievable. So somebody like him, I think Elon Musk would be cool as hell too. He's obviously fearless and changing the game. But if I had to just pick one, it'd be MJ. Yeah. And he's one of the few that's like hyper, hyper famous. Like everybody in the world knows who he is, but he still has so much mystique about him. There's so 100%. much, there's so much like mystery around that name. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. How do you like to learn best? Is it books, blogs, audio? What's your favorite way to consume information? First of all, if I'm like from a training perspective, I want to do it. I don't want to read about it. I want to touch it with my own hands. But right. as far as like content that I take in, I'm a big YouTube guy, man. I love going on to YouTube. I'm looking at a couple of Ferraris right now, trying to figure out which model I want to buy. And I've watched every damn video on YouTube about these models, trying to figure out what the differences are. Cause I've never owned either one. I don't know anybody that owns either one. So I'm like going through this whole concept now. And I, I love YouTube. Like I'm a video guy. That's where right. I get a lot of, of content. I, I, I like to watch visually mm. rather than read. No, if you lose everything, you become a plumber. It's gonna be cool seeing you pull up in a Ferrari and change out the pipes. <laughs> uh. If I That'll be a good niche. Probably, That's good branding. Everything I, yeah, I probably wouldn't have the Ferrari stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Uh, give us a glimpse. Oh, you mentioned beforehand you don't have one, which I think is a great answer. But what does your morning routine look like? It's not ice baths and breathing and meditation. What does your morning typically look like? Yeah, I'm a, I am a morning guy. So I'm usually up at 4.30 almost every day of the week. Wake up early. I go to bed early. I, I try to be asleep by 9.30 every night. So I'm a wake up coffee guy. I'm a planner. I like to look at my schedule, understand what I'm going to do. If I'm actually doing what I should be doing, which is not as often as it should be, I like to train in the morning. If I don't work out in the morning, it doesn't get done. This morning I got to work early. I haven't worked out today, but I am very rarely I am going after this call to do it today. 
Uh, but part of that's because it's a Friday. I'm at my lake house, so I'm going to go enjoy the outdoors a little bit. It's it's a pretty mild day, so I'm going to get outside. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm a planner. I like to look at my day. I like to evaluate my day, figure out where my priorities are. If there's anything that needs prep, for example, if I've got a podcast interview, any yeah. material that's been sent to me, understand like kind of what I'm getting into and get my mind going. Even if I'm going to prep again right before it, I at least start to think about it. So reviewing that stuff over a cup of coffee first thing in the morning is important for me yeah. as well. Just kind of planning and bracing myself for the day. I also do a little bit of the same thing the night before. Before I go to bed every night, I'm, I'm taking a look at what my next day looks like. Uh, what I need to be prepared for. Am I behind on something? Do I need to delegate something to my team to make sure I am prepared? A lot of prepping and planning, quick stuff, quick hit type of stuff the night before in the morning of. I'm going to throw a curveball question here. What's the thing that you see on your calendar that makes you shudder? Like when you see it on your calendar for the next day or you see it in the morning, you're getting ready for your day. Is there like some block of time where you're like, oh man, I have a podcast today or oh man, I have to do reports at this time is there one yeah. thing that really just shivers your timbers i guess <laughs> it's it, believe it or not it's these podcasts it's you're welcome interviews for podcasts. I can help. yeah thank you yeah it's interviews for podcasts uh i i love talking to clients i love talking to prospective clients but these things to be a good interviewee or a good interviewer they, they take prep and they yeah. take a lot of energy out of you right speaking engagements is another thing that i look at and i'm like man and and that no matter how many times i speak they still give me anxiety going into it like i'm nervous every single time before i have to do that so prepping that prep work and that anticipation of events like that is still the thing that i look at and i'm like you're my i think third or fourth interview today like this is an interview day for me and i don't usually run as many like this in a single day i try to only run two or three a week but so I'm, I'm the most miserable part of the most miserable <laughs> moment of your day. <laughs> no, yes. this is good. Yeah. Yours is an easy one, man. Some some interviews are brutal. Some guys, it's just, oh, man, they, they drive me crazy. I can't wait to get off. Yeah. That's that's not you. This is cool. This is easy. Yeah. Nice conversation. Yeah. You mentioned prep. It's one thing that always blows my mind because I've been a guest on a ton of shows. Obviously, I've hosted a lot of different podcasts, but being a guest, like I've had more than, I mean, more than a handful of times where I'll get on a show and the host goes, Okay, so what do you do again before we get started? I'm like, right, this is not going to be a good conversation. <laughs> like, no. I do no. a lot of things. Which one do you want me to talk about? I had one that had me on and he was like, what's this for? <laughs> I was like, we're doing a podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah. And like pulled out his mic. I was like, this is yeah. not good. And it's insulting, man, because yeah. I don't have I don't have the time. You know sure. what I mean? Obviously, there's benefits to me doing these things. Sure. Um, obviously, I get leads out of being doing running podcasts, right. speaking engagements. We get business out of it. It creates things. It's a way of giving back and providing value, which I enjoy. It's very important to me. But I don't have the time to waste the time. So, yeah, yeah you show up to these things and the guy doesn't even know why you're there. Like, no, I've got to a point where, honestly, I'm just like, look, this isn't going to work. And I just, I yeah. leave. Yeah. Like, I, if I don't have the time, I don't have the time. It's kind of how it looks, it feels to me. Yeah, I've got plenty of these stories I could talk about. I'm sure you have way. But then the the next one here, you said before our interview, you don't have a go-to pump-up song, but it does cycle a lot. Do you have one like today when you go to your workout, you're gonna be you're gonna be rocking? No, I don't, man. I, my problem is I, I really fluctuate through different genres. Like yeah. I don't have one. Like I'm a big country guy. I'm a hillbilly at heart. I love me some country music. But that's not a lot of times usually what motivates you, gets you pumped up. So, right. man, I'm all over the place. There's no way in hell I could pick one. I, I change week to week, month to month, but I do love music and I do believe in getting pumped up through music. So, gotcha. What is something that you're not very good at? Oh, goodness. When I look at, when I look at 
my history of my business of being an entrepreneur for 10 years, I think the things that I'm not very good at have changed mm-hmm. a lot. My, my big pressing need right now is time management. Mm-hmm. I've always been good at managing my time. I've always been good at getting things done. I'm a zero inbox guy from an email perspective. I never historically more than a handful of their time. And my business has scaled and we've grown to a point where I just simply cannot do that without help anymore. So I'm going through a time right now where I've had to do some reflection, have some self-awareness and say, look, man, you're not going any further if you don't get help. So I hired a full-time executive assistant that starts with me here soon, um, trying to get my family help. I retired my in-laws getting them a house down the road from where we live, try to get them here to help out on that front a little bit more. Just just basically buying time back. That's my biggest struggle right now is time management. But my problems have definitely, they change over time. Yep. As a business grows, like they change. You always had problems, mm-hmm. but what they are changes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to uh, Travis, a co-host the other day, and I, I told him, I feel like we, I used to go through long periods in the beginning where it was like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm drowning. I'd get a little bit of land and then I'd be drowning for a long time and I'd get a little bit of land. And I said, now I feel like it's almost weekly. I'm over my head. I do something, I adapt and I feel like I'm good. And that's the cool thing is getting, learning what those issues are faster and knowing how to solve them quicker as you go is really exciting. And yeah, it bumps me out. Cause I'm like, by the time I'm like 80 about to die, I'll probably have this down perfectly. <laughs> it'll be over. Um, but, but, um, yeah, no, no doubt, man. It's, it's, it's something that if you're having success in anything that you're doing, like it's inevitable, there's no way around it. I don't care if you own a business or not, or what it is that those things, those hoops have to be jumped through and yeah. it's just part of the game. So I'm thankful and blessed that I can go spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on those things. And it's one of those things that's hopefully take one step back, take three steps forward type yeah. of concept. Right. So that's my hope is if I have more times to do more time to do the things that I'm great at, and less time getting my time sucked up in things that I'm not great at or even bad at, right? I hate bookkeeping. I don't do my keep my books, but I still am a part of our invoicing. I'm still a part of proposals and building them for our clients. If I can do less of that and focus on other things that I'm great at, like we're gonna grow even more. So having that awareness to do that is huge. Last question here. If someone wants to connect with you, I'm sure you've got a strong online presence. Where's the best place for people to uh, connect with you and uh, check out what you're doing? Yeah, the best place would be to just go to my company website, to be honest with you. It's agile, A-G-I-L-E and A-N-D co.com, agile and co.com. That will, if somebody really wants to connect with me, that's going to give them the basis of how we function as an agency and what makes us different than other agencies. What makes us the one out of 20, right? Mm-hmm. I'm also pretty, Instagram is by far my, my number one social media platform. I'm Chance, C-H-A-N-S-B as in boy, Weber with one B, Chance B Weber on there. But that's where I'm the most active. That's where I get the most DMs on a regular basis and whatnot. But either way, yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to help anybody that I can help. And like I said, I have a lot of phone calls. I limit my time with people that aren't good prospective clients for me, sure. but I do appreciate giving back. And, and it is one thing that I'm willing to do within reason. And sometimes I'm booked out two, three, four weeks at a time, but, but yeah, those are the best ways to get in contact with me. Chance, thanks so much for joining me on the show and uh, enjoy your workout. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Have a good day. Alrighty, you too. All right, bye-bye. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.